just so important to explore, especially if you're just going to be alone. Like I have fallen in love with hanging out with myself, which is huge because when this all started, like when I started moving around seven years ago, I could not be alone. I was such a social butterfly and I was definitely an extrovert at the time. And I, I needed to be with people. And now I've hundred percent become like an introvert. Like I love being alone and doing things alone and exploring things alone. And I find if when you get to a point where you can just be with yourself and enjoy it, it's life changing. <laughs> what gets us through this crazy hockey journey is our amazing community of women. Inspired by our online network, Breaking the Ice is a platform created to connect us even more as we share our stories, our passions, our tips, tricks, do's and don'ts for all things hockey, and so much more. For hockey expats, buy hockey expats. So lace them up and tune in for a new episode every Wednesday. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking the Ice. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about this episode because we're talking all things traveling and packing. If you're anything like me, this is something that probably overwhelms you. I always love the idea of taking a trip and going on vacation, but when it comes down to planning the nitty gritty details, I start to get really overwhelmed and my husband's always telling me, you're overthinking this. And he's probably right, even if I don't want to admit at the time. So anyways, I think that we could all really use some useful travel tips because that is a lot of what we do during the hockey season. And hopefully once things start getting better in the world, we can get reassured that we are able to take those breaks during the season. We also had a lot of requests for what to bring when you're going overseas for the first time. And Let me tell you, I feel you. When I went overseas for the first time, I was like, what the heck? Where do I even start? I wound up bringing way too much stuff. I brought like five to six bathing suits, a bunch of shorts, a bunch of flip-flops, and I was going to Sweden. And I realized that I didn't even touch half of that stuff. So we talk a little bit about, you know, what to leave behind, what to bring with you, and really keeping everything to a minimum. You really just want to pack basic, simple accessories, things that you can dress your outfits up. But the nice part is comfort is key over in Europe and really keep that in mind when you're packing. Today on the podcast, I have Corinne Bailey joining me. Corinne and her husband finished playing the hockey season in Ingolstadt, Germany, but they've lived in Sweden. They lived in San Diego, Stockton. There's so many places they've been all around and Corinne has loved to travel during these times and she always makes you know, the most of every single hockey season. And that's something I really admire because I think that she really truly does take full advantage of every opportunity that she has to see new places in the world. And so today she's going to come on and talk about, you know, what her traveling and packing tips are like in this life, how to minimize, how to reduce, and all of her tips on finding flights, transportation, restaurants, all of that good stuff.
All right, guys, this was definitely a highly requested topic. So I know people are going to be super excited to tune in for this one. Corinne, thank you so much for joining me on the pod today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Super excited to show everyone my little, or I guess tell everyone my little tips and tricks about traveling and packing. Yes, I'm so excited. And I know that I definitely need that. And I know that others do too. So you guys just got back from Ingolstadt. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but Germany this past season. But I wanted to start off and talk a little bit about where you and Matt have played in the past up until this last year. Yeah, you did say Ingolstadt correctly. I know the little D in there kind of throws people off. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I loved living Germany, but it was our first year. So at first I was a little nervous, um, but I ended up loving it. I definitely feel more at home in Sweden because we were there for three full years. So that was right before Germany. Um, But to go back a little bit, right after Matt finished (laughs) college hockey, he signed with Anaheim Ducks, a two-year deal. So we went and played for their farm team. First year, that was in Norfolk, Virginia. And then the second year, they moved to San Diego. And that was awesome. I loved, obviously, living in California. That's where I met Devin. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And then after that, he signed with the Calgary organization. So that AHL team was in Stockton, California. I did like um, living in North Cal. It was definitely different than living in San Diego, but I actually really, really liked it. There was lots of cool places around San Francisco. So that was awesome. And then halfway through the year, we decided it was best for his career to go to Sweden. So in February, he went to Sweden and to finish the season off in Mora. And um, yeah, and then his team moved up. And then after they moved up, he got a contract for two more years. And then we stayed there for the two years. And we were supposed to stay a few extra years, but then they got relegated back down. So that was pretty, pretty crappy because we really liked our time there. We had such good friends there. It felt very home-like, small, small little town. But yeah, so coming to Germany, I was nervous because we had such a tight-knit group in Sweden. But it was really, really good. I loved living close to Munich. It was about 40 minutes from Munich. So, yeah. Yeah. So, did you guys live in the same town in Sweden those full three years? Yeah. We lived okay. in the same apartment, the same town. So, like, that apartment, we were literally in it more than our home in Winnipeg. Like, we were in that home for seven months a year and only the other one for a few months, right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you've always made so much of each season and you really take the full opportunity to just like travel around to where you're living and staying and you do so much research on different places. I mean, like I'm from San Diego and you've been to places I've never even heard (laughs) of or seen. And I'm like, okay, I need to get out there and do more. So I think that's so cool that you do that. And it's definitely a good reminder to everybody to, you know, take advantage of that time. Yeah, for sure. I've I've just always really liked venturing out to places like my whole life I think my parents kind of like brought us up that way so definitely when I was like okay I'll be moving around for hockey I want to make the best of it and see as much as I can because like we're so lucky to have the opportunity to live in so many different countries and cities so yeah just trying to take full advantage of that and exploring especially before I have kids because it's a lot easier to explore right now because it's just me once you have kids it obviously makes a little things a little trickier. Yeah, totally. And so fast forwarding to now, 
you kind of took your passion of traveling and turned it into a small business. So will you tell everybody just a little bit about what you do for that? Yeah. Um, so I have a business called Kedin's City Sites. It's, um, I basically do personalized travel itineraries. I'm working on other kind of things for it, but that's the main aspect of it. I've been wanting to do it for years because I was already doing it for so many of my friends and family anyways, making them little itineraries, helping them out with their travel. My husband always told me, oh, you should do this as a job. And I never felt confident enough to do it. And then a few Rachel Hollis books later, (laughs) I felt super inspired that like, everyone gets nervous to start something new. So I just went and did it and put a plan together and released it. Um, it went well for the first few months and then all this COVID stuff happened and obviously no one's traveling right now. So it's kind of on hold for that, but I'm still trying to work on some little things to um, release in the future. But yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's great for while I'm living in Europe, obviously, and can't do my own thing. Cause when I'm home, I'm a hairstylist and I'm busy with that. But on the hockey during the hockey season, I wanted my own little side gig too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You're like, I got to start charging people for these. I mean, who yeah, <laughs> literally, like, I was this way for free anymore. <laughs> well, I was spending hours and I like, I loved it, but it was still hours. And I was like, Hmm, I should kind of start charging. And then, yeah, then I did. <laughs> That's so smart. And then it, you know, kind of keeps you busy during the season, like you said, and yeah. helps the time pass a little bit quicker. Cause sometimes it can get, you know, kind of tedious out there if you're not, you know, getting out and exploring all the time. Yeah, totally. And it's also helped me find new places that I want to travel to because I've researched places I haven't gone yet for some people. And I'm like, wow, I need to go there. (laughs) For sure. So we're going to talk about all the things for those that are listening. And I know that I got some requests to discuss people that are going overseas for the first time and just not really knowing where to start with what to bring, as well as those that have already been overseas, but are just looking to kind of minimize how much stuff they're actually bringing. So, and I know like when you're going over for the first time, it's really overwhelming. It's just like a totally new phase of life and you don't really know where to start. And oftentimes people will really overpack the first year. Like I for sure did that. Let's just start with that and just going overseas and packing. How do you pack for the hockey season? Are you someone that likes to plan out and you start laying stuff out over time? Or are you a procrastinator and pack last minute? Just what's your strategy with that? Um, I'm definitely a last minute packer because I've gotten really good at only bringing what I really wear and need. So normally I need to wear those clothes until the last minute, right? So it started off. I was packing probably three check bags each when we were playing in the HL because my husband could drive the car down so I could have more room or if I was flying, whatever. I had a lot more options to bring more. But once we started heading to Europe, bringing three bags each, carry-ons, hockey bags on a flight and then getting onto a train to like our little Swedish town was always a shit show. So I was like, okay, I need to buckle down and really minimize here and my husband is like he could he could travel with one backpack so he was always kind (laughs) of same with charlie (laughs) yeah so he was like hey you have to do less you have to do less and i was like matt i'm doing pretty good with two or three bags some girls i know have like six to ten but anyways so i started off kind of being like okay i'm only bringing the clothes that i wear in the last month 
So that's kind of my go-to now. I try to bring only my favorite, you know, five pants, my favorite 20 tops and things like that. And I've noticed when you're living abroad, you wear a lot of just like sweats or Lulus or things like that. You maybe get dressed up like with a pair of jeans once a week, maybe twice if you want. Um, that's for me. Obviously, some people like to dress up more. So I just bring a lot of workout clothes and workout clothes is very thin, I find. Um, and I give my jackets, like winter jackets, fall jackets, to Matt to put in his hockey bag because he can like shove it in as like an extra little cracks. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot. And I give him my like winter boots and stuff. A tip that I was wanting to tell you guys is most airlines, especially like North American ones, if you're flying to Europe, do not weigh your carry-on. So I put so much in my carry-on, like all my heavy stuff, shoes, jewelry, jeans, jacket, books, anything that like is heavy, I always shove in my carry-on. So when I have to like lift it up in the plane to put it on top, I'm like struggling hard. It's like 50 pounds. That's a big trick for that, I find, because then it keeps your other bags like under 50. But if you're flying through like small airlines in Europe, then they can sometimes like weigh your bag and it's sometimes only like eight or 10 kilograms. So that can be hard. So you definitely don't want to overdo your carry on while you're in Europe, but to come over, it's, it definitely is helpful. Yeah. And so what about like for warm and cold climates? So if you're, you know, looking to go travel while you're over there, but you're, you know, you're going to be living in a cold climate, how do you pack for that? That's something that I kind of struggle with is, okay, how many tank tops do I bring? How many you know, skirts or this or that when I'm going on vacation, as opposed to like, how many things are actually practical that I need that have to come? Oh, totally. I know. That's always my struggle too. So basically what I've been doing is I at least go home like once a season, maybe twice. And I, we always have some kind of family that come. So the first kind of family that comes, or if I go home and I'm like, okay, I haven't worn this winter stuff in a while. I'm going to bring it all home and bring like a bunch of summer clothes because I know we're going to do a hot trip in like February or in April. So I kind of do it that way. If you're not going to go home or have family come through, I would literally just try to bring like, also, I only bring like three bathing suits versus if let's say I was going on a hot trip from home for a week, I'd bring like 15 bathing suits. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) But realistically, like, you don't want to bring that many. So I don't know, bring your favorite like three bathing suits, favorite three summer dresses. You can like reuse it, put a jean jacket on it, like put a belt. You can change styles for like hot little trips like that. Like tank tops don't take too much room. Bring a few pair of shorts. I know it sucks because you normally want to bring so many like cute summery outfits, but you also want to be realistic that you don't want to have to bring 10 bags at the end of the season at home. Mm -hmm. But I also find like the less I bring, the more shopping I can do. Like if I'm going on a hot trip, oh, I'll get a new dress and shorts and it's kind of fun. So that's just me because I'm the the older I get, the like less clothes I want to own because I just want like my staples, you know? Mm -hmm, For sure. And And that's a good idea too, that you can just always get it once you're over there. Yeah. Because usually with the hot trips too, like those are easy to pack and yeah you know, it's not as expensive. I get, I feel like winter clothes are a lot more expensive, so it's better to bring that over for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you can send your winter stuff, like 
home with your family or something, if they come visit, that's huge. Like ski pants or boots or whatever, a big jacket that helps a lot. We always send stuff home with family when they come because it's like, Oh, I haven't worn this in a month. I probably won't wear it next mm-hmm. month. And then we pay for their little bag if they, if it, or sometimes it's even free. So we've done that a lot. Actually, I have a husband tip here. He wanted me to let you guys know. <laughs> um, his tip is before you go to a European team, ask, try to find someone that's been on the team before and ask them what clothes the team gives you. Because in Sweden and Germany, we have gotten, or he has gotten so much clothes from the team. Like they have a suit they have to wear, sweats they have to wear on the road. So he has always like made the mistake of bringing his own suits. And then in the end, he literally has only worn the one the team gave him all year. So that's like, that's a good trick of not for men, not having to bring a bunch of suits or, you know, things he would normally wear on the road, like polos. So last year we sent home like three suits with his parents to bring home and which took a lot of room. And like, that's a little trick of like, you know, for what the men have to bring. Yeah. That's a good one for sure. And yeah, that, same thing with us. They gave Charlie a suit this year in Graz and we had no idea, you know, and mm. so like you, he brought a couple of suits, but usually yeah. like his suits now are just ABC pants from Lulu and a, yeah. you know, a, a coat jacket. So it doesn't take yeah. up too much space, but yeah. that is a good tip. And so who yeah. would, would you ask just another girl, you know, that's on um, the team? Is that what you mean? Or would I he reach like, out to a guy? I feel like normally you, you kind of know one of the guys or someone knows one of the guys you kind of get through, you know, like the last few years, we've always kind of known someone who knew someone that was on the team. So, you know, just quick Instagram DM. Hey, I'm going to Germany. You were there. I don't know. What, what does the team give you for clothes? Um, Because the amount of clothes that Matt got from Ingolstadt this year is like insane. It's so funny. (laughs) He has like Ingolstadt gear forever. And we're not going back. So it's kind of funny to just have all this now. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes Charlie's dressed head to toe in Graz 99er stuff and I'm always like, yeah. hey, do you play for the Graz 99ers by chance? <laughs> just yeah. beanie, shirt, jacket, pants. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. What about shoes? Yes, that's so funny. I was literally going to say that. I, gonna say, <laughs> I have one tip about shoes. I used to bring so many sh- pairs of shoes and they would just kind of sit there and I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll wear these wedges one time. I think when you're like going to Europe, you have to have the mentality of like, no, you're not bringing one thing for one time. So mm-hmm. I bring my five, five to 10 favorite shoes, like, you know, a running runner, a comfy runner, cute boot. Realistically, I don't wear heels in Europe much, even when I go on trips because like, you know, cobblestones everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's not like back home in North America where it's easy sidewalks. So I honestly think like one heel and one boot heel is like fine. And Again, like one little cute flip-flop if you go on trips. But other than that, I think just bring like comfy everyday out, like everyday boots to wear because um, shoes take so much room. So if you can minimize your shoes, that's huge for your packing. I totally agree. I, the first year I brought like wedges, I brought just some like simple C Madden heels and I never even touched them. And so (laughs) like, you're not going to wear heels like bottom line, unless you're dressing up as a costume or something like seriously, all I wear are running shoes when I go on. That's like also the style there. Like people will wear jeans with running shoes, which is funny because that used to be like dorky. Yeah. But (laughs) that's actually just what people do. So I wear that or I throw on like like the Nike, I can't remember the the name of the actual shoe, but just like the white tennis shoes. 
And it's so much more comfortable. You you do not need to be like styling with the shoes over there because you're literally like, if you're like me and my feet are hurting, I'm just going to complain the entire time. So you're right. That's a totally good way to do that. And I would say even like just boots over boot or over like the booties. Yeah. If they're too tall, you know, because same thing. It's more of like a comfort situation. Yeah. I definitely like the last few years being in even Germany or Sweden, snow or no snow. I feel like I buy when I get there, I buy a cute little black pair of booties and I wear it all year long. And by the end, they're like kind of worn out. So I can either throw them out or bring them home. And then I get another pair the year after. I'm not an expensive shopper. So for me, I don't need to buy like a $500 boot every season, but, (laughs) and I have, and I have a kid's size feet. So it's cheaper for me to buy a Zara kid's boot. (laughs) Yeah. Must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what about like snow boots? Okay. So that was another thing. Find out kind of like where you're living and what the weather would be. I brought my Sorrells this year to sweet, uh, to Germany and we did not get snow once. And I wore my Sorrells one time when I went to Austria for a lunch in the mountains. So realistically, <laughs> I did not need those like Sorrells there. I thought I would maybe do more like snowy activities, but I didn't. So obviously I didn't need to bring them, but they didn't take that much room. I only had one pair. Um, but snowboarding or skiing, if you're doing those kind of sports, then obviously you need to bring your ski boots or snow boots, or you can rent or buy. Um, I always just rent because I'm not really into it yet, but for mm-hmm. ski pants, there's always someone you can like borrow ski pants from or, you know, one time in Sweden, I bought a cheap pair for literally $15. And that's like almost cheaper to just buy it there and use it all winter than bringing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think just doing your research and also yeah. just not really having expectations. Cause for me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Sweden, but we were in Southern Sweden and it hardly snowed. And yeah. then it was, oh, we're going to Graz, but it hardly snows there. But I had this expectation in my mind, like, oh, cold climate must bring these yeah. shoes. And yeah. that's not the truth. So just doing your research, talking to girls, figuring out what you need, what you don't need, and kind of going from that. Totally. And like mitts and toques and scarves can take a lot of room too. So again, just bring your few favorite, like, I don't know, it's, it's, for me, it's just I'm trying to be a smart packer, so I don't need everything I own. But I can see definitely some girls, especially the first time going over Europe, they probably feel a little overwhelmed and, you know, want to bring all their favorite things. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's just not how I am. And I, I feel better and more organized now that I have less bags. It's like, you know, it doesn't overwhelm me anymore to pack. It takes me two hours. I just shove everything that I wear <laughs> in my bag and, and I go. I don't have to like, I don't have to try to organize it so it can weigh or fit. So it's definitely a lot less stressful when you minimize your wardrobe for your European living. It's easy to get kind of in that frame of mind where you're like, I want to bring these five scarves. It's like, you don't need five scarves. You need probably two scarves that you, yeah. that are basic, that can go with a lot of different outfits. And yeah. I've also found that accessories can really change your whole outfit. I mean, you can wear the same basic black shirt that no one's ever going to notice, but if you have different little accessories like a hat or a scarf, it totally changes your outfit and then you don't feel like you don't have any clothes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A few other things here I want to mention is, yeah, hats. So I do wear a lot of hats and I, if I'm, how I travel, how I pack my hats to bring to Europe is I put them all over each other. So they're like four stacked and then I shove a bunch of t-shirts in the like hole and then that can literally go on my check bag flat and then you just put clothes around it. 
So then it doesn't ruin the hat. It doesn't take much room. You don't really even have to wear it on the plane. So that's a big one because bringing hats can be kind of stressful. So you don't mm-hmm. want to you don't want to squish them. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, also for toiletries, this was something I used to do my my first year and second year. I would bring so many toiletries of all my favorite hair skin products, and it would weigh like thirty pounds of liquid, so it had to go <laughs> in my check bag. And then. I realized that I was kind of a dumb thing because I could bring clothes instead. So now I buy all my toy- toiletries once I get to Europe. And uh, yeah, if you're in a bigger cities too, they'll usually have what you're yeah. looking for. Maybe not necessarily the same brand that you use, but I mean, yeah. they have like Kevin Murphy over there. They have, they have pretty much everything that yeah. you'll need, you know, makeup products like Mac or whatever you yeah. use, Spare Minerals, they have it all. Yeah, they have living proof because I'm like a living proof girl and they have everything there and it's actually very affordable in Europe. So yeah, like you said, yeah, big cities, even even if you're not a big cities, a lot of online shops, even like Sweden, I live in a small town and you could order things on their online websites to your door and it's pretty good. Like it's kind of like back home or here, you can order anything online really. What are some things that you've brought in previous seasons that you realize you don't really need? So I used to bring a lot of books, especially ones I hadn't read yet, and then a few faves, which takes so much room and so much weight. So recently, well, in the last two years, me and my husband both got super into audiobooks because obviously they're in your phone, so you don't have to carry them. And it's life-changing because we, the last few, even this year, like even though we have audiobooks, we still buy a few. Sometimes we have a whole carry on of like 30 books that we bring home (laughs) so it's so heavy so we're definitely more into audiobooks now because that saves that also I used to bring a little bit of decor and like frames and cute little candles sometimes which now I look at it and I'm like wow that was pretty stupid like obviously I could just (laughs) buy that there so now I don't really bring any decor or books for food I was very worried about my few favorites coming to Europe that I couldn't have my ranch and you know ketchup chips and things like that so the first year or two I brought so much food like again like almost a whole carry-on of food which was like fun but I've realized there's everything and more in Europe and when I say more is because now there's things in Europe that I want to bring here (laughs) Um, but there's there is a few things that I would still bring so I bring my favorite spices there's a few spices I love here like a mango chicken one I bring or garlic plus, I always bring that. Um, we bring ranch packets and like one or two bottles of ranch because that is definitely something you can't find in Europe. Well, you can, but they charge an arm and a leg on the online store. Um, I bring chocolate chips from home because I, I really like them, all the different flavors we have here, like a butterscotch one or dark chocolate ones. I find they're a lot better back home than in Europe. I bring sugar-free syrup for like pancakes and stuff. I haven't found one in Europe I liked. I tried one. It was pretty gross. It had like protein in it. So it was like thick and jelly. (laughs) Um, And then I bake a lot. So I bring my own baking cups and teaspoons and stuff because like measuring because in, in Sweden it was deciliters, not like not cups and stuff and in germany i don't even know what they really use because i just would bring my cups and use north american recipes so i think that one's a big one if you're a big baker like bring your measuring cups and also bring your own like vanilla extracts that's something i find difficult 
Um, and pickles. Pickles are very heavy, but I have not found a pickle in Europe that I like. So I bring pickles every year. That's about oh, it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're hilarious. Charlie and I haven't brought <laughs> any food with us over actually, but you're oh. starting to get my mind going a little bit. That's oh God, so, so funny. funny. Um, there was a girl on the team this year. She brought so much food. It was hilarious. And her mom sent her like in the middle of the year, like a whole box of like Trader Joe's like treats and like it was hilarious how much she had from back home and I was like how did you get this here (laughs) that's so funny so for the ovens in Canada this might be like the stupidest question ever but is it like (laughs) it's Celsius for you guys right um no it's Fahrenheit oh okay in Canada yeah it's in Fahrenheit Okay. Well, so- well, we no wait. Now that I'm no, now I'm double thinking. Yeah, it's Fahrenheit. It's definitely Fahrenheit. <laughs> okay, because like that's something for me. Like I just seriously wanted to rip my hair out in Sweden because the you know the oven was Celsius, and then we didn't have measuring cups because we didn't know oh, to know. bring them. So we had the freaking crazy like it would be one cup, and then the the equivalent would be like one and point seven three seven nine I'm just like how do you even like measure that out and then I had to figure out just the translation from Celsius to Fahrenheit on the oven (laughs) because we don't do Celsius obviously here in the U.S. and so it was just horrible so I totally am with you on that we brought teaspoons tablespoons all that stuff and cups yeah measuring cups even for just like measuring pasta or whatever like you need that stuff and I feel like it's really difficult to find it in Europe Totally. And yeah, the other thing is annoying because in Germany and Sweden, it was also in Celsius and it's so weird. And and because they're such small ovens, it almost like bakes things differently. So it takes like weeks or months to kind of like get to know your new oven. Mm -hmm. My friend in Sweden, literally it took her like six months to perfect the simplest cookie recipe. And they would just be like either hard meatball or like a flat pancake. And she was doing the (laughs) same thing every time. And it was like an ongoing joke. And um, so yeah, now she she has finally perfected it in these weird ovens. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like just when we make banana bread too, it's like, Hmm, what's the banana bread going to turn out like tonight? Because it's always like, (laughs) turns out different from those stupid ovens. It just cooks. So it cooks uneven. I feel like is, is what it is. It just totally, totally. Yeah. (laughs) So moving on to vacations for those that are either going to Europe for the first time or that have been there and know this already, you usually get two breaks November and February for the most part. Um, Some teams it's different. Sometimes you get a little break at Christmas. So, and generally these breaks are like three to four to five to six days, depending on where you are playing. So Corinne always finds the coolest places to take a vacation. I always go onto your profile and look at your highlights and just like creep on places you've gone to get inspiration for where I want to go. But let's just say I'm someone that just found out the team is giving us a break in a month. Where would I, like, what would the first step be for me to plan a trip? Okay. That's a great question. Cause I feel like a lot of people feel so lost and that's why that's another part of why I started my business. Cause I definitely want to help people go to places they want to go to, not just because they've heard it's cool and someone else enjoyed it. So basically first off for us, if you only have like a three or four day trip, we like to go anywhere that's direct. So a direct flight helps so much because um, you don't want to waste a whole day getting there and a whole day back when you only have three, four days. So in Europe, you can definitely find a lot of places that are direct. So I stick to those kind of flights and cities and destinations. But again, if you have more time, you can definitely do a layover. 
So after I've narrowed down where my city flies directly to or nearby city, then I kind of see, okay, what are our interests? Like, do we want to go to a big city like Rome or Paris and see all the history and museums and architecture and walk around? If you want to do that, great. Go to like an old, beautiful city. But if you're more like me, I care more about the scenery, the ocean, the sun, nice weather, views, you know, things like that. Then you'd want to go maybe somewhere that's more beachy. So um, don't get me wrong. Like I loved those other big cities, but I felt like I went to all those, you know, old European cities because it's like, oh, I have to. Everyone goes there. They're popular, right? Mm-hmm. So we'd go to them and they're great and all, but then we like leave being like, wow, that was not even like relaxing. It was amazing. But it, then you come back tired. So now our mentality is like, okay, when we have these breaks, I want my husband and me to just enjoy and relax. So we go to places where we can do more outdoorsy things. So that's just us. So I think you have to really like find what your interest and like are for that vacation and what you want out of it. So that's a big one. So you don't want to waste your four days off doing something that doesn't interest you, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a lot easier to find those big cities to go to. You know, it's like they show up. It's like, oh, Prague. Oh, you know, wherever the heck, Munich, this, that. And for me, it's like they all kind of start to feel the same. So when I go to these big cities, it's cool for the first couple. And then you kind of feel like it's the same thing. And so next year, I was telling Charlie that I definitely want to have, like you, just more of a relaxing vacation. Because when you do go to those big cities all the time, it is very much go, go, go. And although it is cool to see those places, like you said, we come back tired. We're kind of like, we're seeing the same thing. It's the same. Obviously, the, the architecture is different and everything, but you're really just like shopping and eating. Yeah. Oh, so, 100%. Yeah. So I guess my question would be like, how do you find those places that are a little bit more off the grid, I guess? Honestly, I just do a lot of research. So I'll Google things like best place to visit in November in Europe or best in December. Like you kind of like find random blogs and article. And that's probably where I have found most of my like we went to you know Tenerife Spain we went to Mallorca Spain we went to you know Marbella um these are obviously still popular places but definitely not like you like a big city like you were saying um and then um I don't know I just find I just google and find these blogs I don't like to use TripAdvisor and Yelp because I find those they can like you know pay for their stuff to be like viewed more I like to go with like travel bloggers because I really feel like their stuff is more legit to what I would want to see. So I read a bunch of articles and blogs to kind of figure out where I want to go because I definitely, you don't want to go on a trip where it just rains four days straight because that's just miserable. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you had that happen? Oh yes. I will. I will tell you about that later on (laughs) in this episode. It's actually one of our, the questions on our little game we're going to play, but yes, that's happened. And it for sure was a buzzkill. We just like, didn't even want to leave and you have to wait for the rain to stop and it's just not fun. Yeah. So I, yeah, so that's one way of doing it, kind of researching and typing in on Google, like best places to see or whatever, non-touristy. And then I also follow a lot of travel Instagram accounts. Um, Again, you can play around with that. You can type in, you know, Spain, travel, Portugal, travel, France, travel. And then within that, you can find smaller areas and countries. I don't know. Also, Pinterest is really good if you type in like road trip or Spain countryside or whatever. Like a lot of things come up. 
Um, so those are kind of ways that I find places to visit. I obviously loved seeing Prague and Budapest and all that, but I agree with you. Everything just looks the same after a day or two. Mm-hmm. So would, would that just be a conversation between you and your husband of like, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want like a ski trip in the mountains or do we want to do something beachy or how do you decide like what climate you're wanting to go to? Yeah, that's, that's good because depending where you live, like Germany, we could have easily done a bunch of breaks driving distance to Austria or Switzerland or, you know, cause there's so many amazing ski towns and things like that for us we didn't want to spend the time and money in the mountains unless we could both go ski and snowboarding. And obviously in the middle of the season, the guys can't or, you know, shouldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that's why we never did that. And for me, obviously I want to kind of do things on a budget, not budget, but you know, affordable. We're not going to spend an arm and a leg on a three day trip. So we looked into doing like more mountainy stuff and then it would be the same exact price as five days in Spain, renting a car and seeing the ocean, things like that. So for me, I just kind of like, that's what we rather do. And I think we would always pick ocean, sun, beach vibes versus, you know, mountain city, but that's, that's Mm -hmm. different for everyone. Um, So I normally do all the picking and stuff like that, but he definitely puts input into it. You know, like he tells me like what he kind of feels like sometimes he wants to do more of a city, but yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of, depending the month too like I feel like it'd be better to do a hotter trip in November because it's always warmer than February and then February you could do you know a city or a winter trip because sometimes if you want to go somewhere's hot in February it still won't really be that hot you know yeah and I'm the same too I I would definitely prefer like sun and beach over mountains that's just me my husband's the complete opposite he would rather be in mountains in the snow so it's just interesting sometimes we butt heads about where to go but um I definitely think some sunshine is in our future and especially like in the most of the places that you play in hockey are in colder climate so typically you want to get out of that and go get some sunshine on your skin I think (laughs) yeah exactly and if you want to wait till the end of the season and do a post-season trip to do something more like beachy then that's a great option too I know a lot of people that do that you know, you have a little bit more time so you can go for a whole week and, you know, really relax. And also the weather's better by then. If you're done in April, like uh, most islands in Spain, things reopen up like April 1st, they kind of close November 1st, April 1st. So definitely the islands are more bumping and there's more to do. So if you do want to keep the beachy trips for like the end of the year, that's a definitely a good tip. And then do colder, closer places during the winter where did you go for the november break this past year um oh my gosh i'm going blank right now okay so we went to <laughs> we went to malta feels like years ago it's done <laughs> i'm like what it, year is it now <laughs> literally knows? um we went to malta okay okay so i was not a fan that's probably why i haven't mentioned it once <laughs> really how come um it was probably my least favorite place i've ever traveled to Really? Which, which sucks because I don't, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy it because I did enjoy it. It was still great. Obviously, it's better than staying in the cold, rainy weather. But I don't know. I wasn't – I was maybe expecting too much. Um, I also like – we rent a car everywhere we travel to because it's such a cheap way to get around. It's way cheaper than, you know, Ubers and buses. And also, it's such a good way of just being able to do whatever you want whenever you want and travel a whole island or area. So we couldn't rent a car there because it's on the other side of the road. 
Oh. So that kind of limited us. And it's very like dangerous for driving. And especially if we've never done it, we didn't want to do it. It was kind of run down. Um, the food wasn't great. And I'm super into food. The main thing that we didn't love is there was no beaches. Like I didn't realize that, that most of the island, there's not really beaches and especially the cities we were staying in. It's all like kind of cliff and rock. So you can't just go for a run or a walk to a beach and dip in. It's, we were expecting more beachy vibes. Um, it's just kind of ocean on a city. So that, okay. wasn't, that wasn't very good because the weather was really warm and the, the ocean was actually so warm. So we would have loved to have been able to go for a walk and dip in the beach or something. Um, I'm sure going at a different time of the year, maybe different area, like if you stay by the Blue Lagoon, which is so beautiful. We saw it by boat. The boat was so rough. That was also kind of crappy because that was my biggest highlight I was so excited to see the blue lagoon and it was too rough to go near it so we didn't really even see it (laughs) oh that's a bummer yeah so again um there's amazing things to the island I think we just kind of went at a bad time because all the wind and I did not stay in the right area which for me I'm normally pretty good at that we stayed in the right (laughs) area we stayed in the right area for like food and city stuff but when we were on the boat we saw little like discreet little like hotels on the ocean by a beach which like probably 10 people stay there so it probably wouldn't have much to do during the night and stuff but it would have been beautiful for like just walking on the beach so yeah yeah. for sure so what would the best website be for flights I always start off with google flights so I'll just type it into google and then google shows a lot of options and then once I find the option I want then I always book through the airline website it's good to do it this way so that you don't have to deal with like third party issues. Like if something goes wrong, you don't have to then call, you know, um, Expedia and then Expedia tells you, Oh, sorry. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's, it's kind of um, annoying to deal with third party airline websites. So I always book through the airline. I've tried like looking at those kind of different websites, but they're always the same price as going through the airline. So that's, that's just my, that's what we do. We find them on Google flights and then, um, go through the airline. Yeah, I'm the same. I use Google Flights and I also use skyscanner.com and I find yeah, that sometimes yeah. they have some really good deals on there yeah. and you can change it so it's like the whole month yeah. and then you can type in like so say I'm leaving from Vienna, I would type Vienna and then you can change the arrival to everywhere. So you can click like Vienna to everywhere, click the whole month or click the specific dates of your break and then it'll show you the cheap starting with the cheapest place to fly from Vienna up until like the most expensive and so that's kind of cool because you can see your options and be like okay well here uh, here are a couple of options for us of where to go that are that's like affordable for us um so I find that that's cool and I think Google flights too sometimes will give you some options of places to go in the same kind of price frame do you know if that's right um, I've actually never done the, um, the, of them showing everywhere you can go. That's actually super cool. I'm going to look into that today. <laughs> like yeah. that's a, that's an amazing feature. I actually didn't know that. I yeah. normally kind of know where I want to go before I start looking at flights, but I definitely narrow down, like I'll write down the five top cities and then like all the times and prices and I kind of do it myself, but that's amazing to know that they have that feature. That's super cool. For places to stay, would you say you like to stay in an Airbnb or a hotel? Um, I like both. If me and Matt are traveling alone, the two of us, I find it cheaper and easier to just do a hotel because you don't have to pay that cleaning fee um, that you do with Airbnb. And especially me and Matt, we like to like switch around a lot. Like 
every two nights we'll kind of do a different hotel different area so for us if you're two people i always do hotel i have done airbnb don't get me wrong sometimes it's a little cheaper or the same price anything with a group though always airbnb it's so fun you're all staying together definitely so much more affordable um yeah you get to hang out in a house together for a group of people it's definitely cheaper most cities to stay in an airbnb and it's just fun so mm-hmm. yeah i i prefer hotel too then that's like your room's clean and yeah <laughs> i just i think it's more comfortable also because sometimes with airbnb especially in europe you never know what you're gonna get and also mm-hmm. the beds are freaking tiny so sometimes yeah. they'll be like oh we have three beds and they're all like a twin and you're going with your oh. husband to stay at an airbnb and you're just like okay this is not <laughs> this is just oh, yeah. we're not sleeping in two twins in two different rooms <laughs> oh i know beds are so weird in europe for airbnbs and hotels it's definitely something to get used to but the um, the you know how beds have like their own single blankets like in a king uh, bed yes yes we love that. Like we're hundred percent buying that in our house in Winnipeg. Next time we get blankets, like it's so amazing having your own single blanket while you're like in a king bed together. <laughs> I know. I actually didn't like it at first. Cause I, I don't know why, but it definitely grew on me. I was like, actually, this oh, is yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't look as pretty when you make the beds. It's not like smooth, but for us, we always, we always fight over the blanket in the middle of the night. So it's, it's definitely awesome for us. <laughs> it is weird to me though, that that's even an option in hotels to have a twin bed. Like I have never seen that in the U S ever. No, like what no. the heck? <laughs> I think it's so weird. I mean, yeah, if you're traveling with like your girlfriend, I guess that's fine. But most people are not, I mean, I would say most people are probably traveling with like their spouse or like you at least want a double bed in there with someone else a twin it's like I feel like I'm in middle school yeah it's so funny I feel like maybe my legs are dangling off the bed <laughs> maybe because in Europe a lot of people travel it's like friends or, or family or something they don't always want to share a bed maybe that's why I'm not that's too true sure. yeah so moving on to location how would you find the best location to stay um that again is like super personal so you kind of want to figure out do I want to be by the train station do I want to be by um the beach or a nice view or by a bunch of restaurants or like a hipster area the touristy area you kind of want to again find that google it kind of like best areas to stay in Budapest and it'll like (laughs) show you a bunch of options I like to stay either walking distance from downtown or by the train station or a nice view I kind of stay away from the touristy area because that's not normally where I spend my time anyways, because I try to find restaurants and things to do that are outside of those areas. But yeah, again, just kind of research, research. I know people don't want to do all this research, but then they could email me and then I could do it for them. <laughs> there you um, go. Shameless plug. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, um, I think you just like spend a few hours and like before you go on a trip, like just have a glass of wine, open up your laptop, watch TV show and just like Google random stuff. You don't have to make it like, a job, you know, it's kind of fun to look into it. Well, I think it's fun. Some people think it's stressful, but I don't know. I think if you like start researching things here and there, and then you'll start kind of enjoying it slowly. Yeah. I'm one of those people that think it's stressful. Like, you know this, I have messaged you so many times, like, (laughs) Corinne, I do not like, where do I say what, what area is good? And I don't know why, but I always bomb the location. 
I, I don't know why. I, do, I feel like I do all of this research and I'm on the computer. I get really stressed out. Like, yeah. sometimes I feel like I do get very misled by things on the internet. Like, it'll say 0.5 miles from the city center. And I'm like, oh, great. That's close. That's like five blocks. And then yeah. we get there and like, I went to Munich with my friend Kelly. The hotel itself was nice, but the location wasn't the best. We didn't really feel comfortable walking at night by ourselves on that street. But from the online, from, for me, I was like, oh, the hotel looks nice. And it's only 0.5 miles from like the center. And so for those that have not been to Europe, the center is usually like the center of town, the main part. And so I don't know why, but that always is confusing to me when it says it's so close, but it's not, or like the location is just totally bad. And how do you find that? Like, I just, it's so hard to tell too from reviews. Yeah. So on, on Google, when you can like, or websites that you can see the location of a hotel, normally you can kind of see what's around there. Right. So if you like zoom in, you can see the restaurants or stores around it. Then you can, and you can even do street view if you really want. So you can kind of look at it in that way or also reviews like reading Airbnb reviews. A lot of the time they'll say like great location, bad location, blah, blah, blah. Or even like, like trip advisor, I only like TripAdvisor to look at reviews of like hotels. That's the one thing I actually read because people will write bad things, but not often good things. And I definitely want to know if there's bad things. So that's another thing. You can read reviews about locations of hotels. Um, Or like you can even ask around. You could even call a hotel and say like, hi, I'm looking to be by this. And are you near there? Like, I don't know. You can never do too much research, right? So if you kind of just look into it a little bit more, that should help for a yeah. location. Yeah. I think zooming in and seeing the street view too, yeah. that's a good idea. Cause I I've never done that. And like I said, it's just sometimes I wind up in not so great areas. So um, I'm definitely going to have to take more time to, to figure that out for sure. Cause I, I find myself getting disappointed sometimes when I get there and I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. What would the first steps be to find good places to eat? So again, I would never use TripAdvisor and Yelp for this. (laughs) So I Google blog, like foodies or food blogs or travel blogs. And I'll literally write in like hipster brunch places in Munich, like things like that. And also there's an app called Culture Trip, which I think is also a website. I use Culture Trip so much. They have such great restaurants that aren't too touristy. Um, and I just research, research, research. I look at their Instagram pages, um, at their, their locations. Um, I definitely plan all my trips around food. My husband, thank God, he's just like me. We're big foodies. (laughs) So we, we plan our whole days around our, our food. I always have a dinner reservation when I travel, but never a lunch one because you don't really need it for lunch, but you always kind of want an idea of where to go. Like, or like a, a few ideas. Um, for me, there's like nothing worse than eating a bad meal on a trip. Cause I find it like such a treat to go on for a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think like just, um, look at some websites, some blogs, Instagram, there's always like Munich food Instagram or, you know, like Barcelona food. And you kind of look at pictures that seem cool. Mm-hmm. So we do that. I always make reservations. And to be honest, this is kind of bad, but I make probably like 10 reservations for a three-day trip and just don't go to some of them I cancel them like that day after I decide which one I want to go to just to be prepared like I I do a handful of reservations per night (laughs) 
that's smart to do that. I feel like we don't make enough reservations. And then, like you said, we're just like kind of scrambling like, oh, this place is close. Oh, this pub looks good or whatever. And then we're disappointed. Yeah. And I also use Instagram too. I always use hashtags. So I'll be like, yeah, yeah. If I'm going to, we're just talking about Munich. So like hashtag Munich food, hashtag Munich restaurants, hashtag, you know, Munich breakfast places, anything like that. You can click on it view the location like Mary's Coffee Club or whatever it's called is so freaking cute in Munich and I found that on Instagram and I think you you told me about that too yeah and so it's just there's a lot of good resources as well as Pinterest blogs what time do you usually make reservations for like later or earlier um if we're like in a group setting because we've gone on a bunch of trips with groups we'll probably do it later because we like to have you know a few pre-drinks together so we'll do like a dinner around eight, but if it's me and Matt, we like to eat a little earlier because we kind of wake up earlier and get more done during the day. So we do around, you know, seven, maybe depends what city to like Spain, everyone eats so late. So you normally go a little bit later, right? I like to kind of do it around seven or eight so that it gives you time to kind of like shower when you get home from exploring and, you know, have a glass of wine, then walk to your dinner place or Uber or drive. Um, I like to always have a dinner reservation because it also helps us kind of like stay on plan. So like if you want to go somewhere in that area, then you can go to a bar in that area. I felt like the few times that we haven't had dinner reservations, we're like too tired to leave the Airbnb and then we like regret it later because we're like, oh, we should have done that. Like now I kind of feel stupid. We just stayed home or got McDonald's or something. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think like having that reservation helps you kind of like you know, have a little bit of a plan. You don't need to plan everything hour by hour, but I do think like getting it together and going out for dinner is like a nice way to like end a good day of exploring or whatever you're doing. Lastly, transportation. Do you like to use buses, trains, cars? What's Um, your favorite? I feel like whatever's quickest and most affordable. So some, most cities have like a train that go from the airport to the city. So you could do that. But sometimes trains are pricey. So depending on how many people you are, if you're like two or three or four people, sometimes it's just cheaper to take a taxi and like kind of splitting it. So I always take a train or a taxi. I rarely take a bus. I know that's obviously the cheapest option. But for me, like to spend a few extra bucks, I'd just rather be in my own taxi or Uber. Mm-hmm, um, but there's definitely really cheap ways of getting places by bus so yeah I think just again like look into everything ask around like people like to help like if you get to an airport and you're like hi oh, I have to get to you know the city center of Barcelona like how far is it how should I get there well you should know how far is it before you get there but I mean they could tell <laughs> you there's a train right here or you could get a bus at this terminal like people like to help and um yeah just be friendly and they're gonna give you all the info you want and yeah I think just look into the different options. Don't always jump to going on the train because sometimes a train can be pricier than a cab. Or again, don't jump on the cab. That's going to take an hour and a half when they might have a super fast train that's half an hour from the airport. So I don't know, just look into all the options before you leave. Yeah. So basically just do your research or message Corinne and she can help you. (laughs) For sure. Honestly, research helps your trip be more enjoyable like 10 times better it's wild for my Malta trip the one that I obviously didn't enjoy very much I was like okay I'm gonna go with the flow I wasn't in a really I wasn't in the best mindset that month so I was kind of like I don't want to spend the time to plan this and we're just gonna go there and hope for the best and it was definitely our least favorite trip we didn't have much plan and my husband was kind of like what the heck like 
what's the day plan today? And I'd be like, I don't know. I thought we just walk around. He's like, that is so not like you. So that was the one trip I didn't do much planning and clearly I didn't enjoy it much. So I will never do that again. <laughs> yeah. I need you to come on vacation with me so I can just have everything planned out. Yeah. I'd love <laughs> tell to tell me what time to be there and yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> I've, I've organized like group trips a few times with like our friends in Sweden and I've gotten pretty good feedback from them afterwards being like, wow, you did such a good job of picking the restaurants and activities. Sometimes people get a, not annoyed, but during the trip being like, Oh God, like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going, going, because, like, people are more laid back, but then in the end, they end up enjoying it and loving it, the organization, so that's good. Definitely. You definitely make the most of each hockey season with lots of travel and day trips. Do you like to be spontaneous with the day trips, or is that something that you also like to to really plan out? Um, I'm quite a planner, if you haven't, if you can't (laughs) tell yet. Um, So I definitely plan, like, before I go to a city, like, when I found out we were moving to Germany, And to Ingolstadt, I researched like everything that was within two, three hours from there that I could kind of see in a day trip. So I made like my bucket list, wish list, Germany, like version of it, of what I want to see while I'm there. And I pretty much saw everything except Berlin. I really wanted to do Berlin, but it was a little further than I thought. Um, So yeah, I kind of plan that out. I look up what's around, like some castles or cities or, you know, parks or hikes and I kind of go from there. I'm not afraid to do things alone. So I did a lot of things alone, like day trips to Munich or go to a new spin studio or I went to brunch alone a lot just to explore myself because I'd rather kind of go at my own pace and do what I want versus trying to get, you know, people to come and then it falls out. Like the plans kind of, you don't work out. So I like exploring alone or when my parents came or obviously Matt when he wants but on days off sometimes you know they just want to chill out they don't want to do a day trip Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know I think it's just so important to explore especially if you're just going to be alone like I have fallen in love with hanging out with myself which is huge because when this all started like when I started moving around seven years ago I could not be alone I was such a social butterfly and I was definitely an extrovert at the time and I I needed to be with people and now I've 100% become like an introvert like I love being alone and doing things alone and exploring things alone and I find if when you get to a point where you can just be with yourself and enjoy it it's (laughs) life-changing that's so awesome yeah I love that you do that and do you ever feel like unsafe doing that or do you feel pretty confident um I don't feel unsafe because like I wouldn't go in unsafe areas or, you know, nighttime. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a train to Munich and go get wasted alone on a Saturday night. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. That's a whole nother problem. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> but like daytime and things like that or driving around, like if I have my phone on me, it's fine. Like if I, you know, get a flat tire, I'll just call someone or ask for help. I'm not very scared. Maybe I should be a little bit more scared because then I, I don't know. But I, living in Winnipeg and working downtown here, apparently Winnipeg is pretty dangerous, but I've been here my whole life. We're apparently the murder, murder capital of Canada. So I'm like used to being downtown and, you know, around situations and people and dark, like I'm off work late. So I think that's why maybe I'm not scared of doing things, but No, I've never, I've literally never felt unsafe. I'm trying to think of a time and no, I think you you can't really be like too fearful or else like a lot of things will like prevent you from 
doing it, you know? Or, For sure. Yeah. And do you use maps on your phone to get around? Okay. Yes. That's actually a great tip. So Google maps, you can download offline maps for like everywhere in the world. So that's so good when you're traveling, you download this offline map. So even if your phone's on airplane mode and no Wi-Fi or data, you can see a map of a city and you can even do it for driving. Like it's unbelievable. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> you need that or else you're just yeah. totally going to have no idea where you are. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I use maps a lot because anywhere that I'm new to, I obviously don't know the cities or the streets. So I use, I use maps for sure. So I was just looking over the audience questions and honestly, we've covered all of them throughout the episode. So I think we're good on that. And I just want to wrap up by playing a quick little fun game. So I'm going to ask you a question you're going to answer and then I'm going to give my answer. So the first question is, what is the most underwhelming place you've traveled for vacation in Europe? Underwhelming. Probably Malta. (laughs) It definitely not was sponsored not. by Malta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, probably Malta, and um, I'm trying to think. I didn't like Paris. I've been to Paris twice, and I was not a fan. I've heard that. But I also went years ago. I was so young, and I wasn't really into a foodie yet. So maybe now, if I went, I would love the food experience of it. But mm-hmm. but yeah, probably Paris. How about you? What would Okay. So this is what I was going to say earlier. Um, so mine is Budapest and that might be a really unpopular opinion, but we were super underwhelmed by it. Yeah. I, I loved Budapest, but we were like 12 people. So we had so much fun with our friends. I could totally see that though, because it is just like a city and a river, but it is pretty. I liked it. Also, we had sunshine every day. So if you didn't have sunshine, it probably made it a lot more miserable. Yeah, so that was the one where it was pouring rain the whole time. And I thought the food was really good. And actually, the people were really nice there. But that was another place where, like, I got misled by the Airbnb. We were not staying in a good location. And I thought all the restaurants were cute and everything. But I don't know. I just felt like I had such a higher expectation of it. And I just felt disappointed by it. I don't know what I was expecting, really. But also, like, everybody told us, stay by the bars, stay by the restaurants, you know, stay by this. And Charlie and I aren't really big drinkers. So for us, like we actually would have preferred to stay on the other side of the river where all like the, um, the buildings and stuff are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess just kind of talking to people that are on your same, same wavelength with that kind of thing is important because I feel like so many people recommended staying right there, but that's just like not our vibe. So yeah. I mean, obviously, if we went with a group, that would have been, like, the vibe, but it was just us, mm-hmm. you know? And so wasn't yeah. a huge fan. But what was your favorite place that you've traveled to? Mallorca, Spain is literally my favorite place ever. Like, we're actually looking and maybe buying a vacation home once we're done hockey there because my husband's Portuguese and I have residents, too, so we could live in Europe. Um, I love Mallorca, Spain so much. It has everything I'd ever want in a place. It has ocean it has mountains, has beaches, it has the best food in the world. Yeah. So if you haven't been, you gotta go there. Yeah, that's on my list for sure. Yeah. My favorite is Ordesai, Italy. That was something that we Ooh. were doing a ton of research. We didn't know what little town to stay in. And it's in the Dolomite Mountains near yeah. Bolzano. And it was seriously like the most pish- picturesque little Christmas town ever. We had our dogs with us. We stayed at a hotel. It was beautiful and just 
peaceful and not a big city. So that was perfect in the middle of the season, just wanting to get out of that big city. Vibe. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I definitely want to go there. I have not visited that area at all. It's beautiful. You'll love it. What is the next place on your bucket list? All depends where we'll be living next. Um, because I kind of have a few little bucket lists of different areas in Europe, but I definitely want to go. I want to go to, um, oh my God, I'm going blank right now. Um, Zermatt in Switzerland. Oh, I've heard of that. It's so beautiful. I want to go in the fall and the winter because apparently it's amazing in the summer, fall, and also amazing in the winter. So, yeah, I want to go to Zermatt. That's definitely in the top three list. Um, I'd love to go to Greece one point, but I'm going to do that in a postseason trip because I want to go in, like, April or May when it's a little bit warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. How about you? What What's your next trips? Mine is definitely Majorca, too, and yeah. Santorini. Mm-hmm. but I want to go when it's hot for sure because yeah. that would just be kind of a buzzkill if you went when it was rainy and cold yeah oh and also London at Christmas time I definitely want to do London at Christmas time maybe this year Ooh, love London yeah I had a friend that went during Christmas and she said it was the most magical thing what item do you pack every year that you never wear <laughs> uh, that's kind of hard um lingerie <laughs> 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 oh my gosh that's amazing good for you for saying that on here I love that <laughs> you know bring it be hopeful nope that's gonna be like edit that part out <laughs> oh I actually like was trying so hard to think of something and that's definitely one thing that just kind of sits there <laughs> <laughs> I love that mine is a jean jacket I don't know why Ooh, yeah. but I feel like I bring it every year and I never wear it. it's just not useful Mm-hmm. it's just not practical at all that's so funny yeah I'm the opposite I definitely wore a jean jacket a lot but we had really good weather well you did too we did too I just feel like I mean I I run cold and so like for me a jean jacket is more of like a summer thing yeah like a, a fall and fall is just like two three weeks and it's done and then it's gets to be in like the 40s 50s which is like not bad but um I would still definitely wear like a, a big winter coat with that. Yeah, yeah. What cool. item do you always forget to bring? I don't ever bring enough mascara. So I use like this Maybelline volumized mascara and I'm always like, oh my God, I should have brought more. So that's probably the one thing that I need to bring more of, my favorite <laughs> mascara. <laughs> that's smart. Do they not have that over there? No, they do not. I looked in Germany and Sweden. They didn't have the exact like one. Okay. So maybe like your favorite makeup, make sure to bring extra of that. Yeah. How about you? Mine is, (laughs) this is kind of silly, but it's pumpkin spice. Oh yes. Oh my God. That too. That too. I, every year I'm like, damn it. I wish we brought the freaking pumpkin spice so I can make cookies. I forget it every year and they don't have it. So if you're a big fall pumpkin spice person, don't forget that. <laughs> hey, that's that's so true. I so many times I've said I should have brought pumpkin spice. And that I want to add on to the food thing. Bring canned pumpkin because you cannot find it in Europe. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. So last question. What is the worst travel day that you've ever endured? Um, yeah, I definitely have two of them. They were so bad. First one, I'll explain it kind of quickly. I was joining Matt in... Sweden last year I didn't have my visa yet because they do it while you're there 
I get to the airport, Air Canada goes, okay, so you have residence because you're staying for longer. I said, no. And they're like, oh, well, you can't get on this flight today unless you book a return for three months. So I had to book right there and then, like a $2,000 flight, did it. Then I was late for my flight. I rushed to security. They take away all my living proof dry shampoo because I randomly forgot to put it in my thing because I was, I guess, stressed that morning, already stressed. So they took away probably $50 of dry shampoo, like little mini ones. And I had too many of them. So they threw it out. So sad. Then I rush over to the gate and it's just been a shit show. I finally sit on the plane, get to Toronto. I go through the wrong doors. They, for in, instead of international, I went through the American doors and I had to... <laughs> Now, then I was in America and they're like, oh, why are you here? And I'm like, I don't know. Some lady told me to go. The lady made a screw up. I then had to leave that custom, go out of the airport, then go to international. It was literally a like two hour ordeal because one lady told me to go through the wrong door. It was awful. I was running. I was sweating. I just made my flight. And um, yeah, so that was, that was really bad, but that was nothing compared to my other one. My other one was, again, I won't explain all the details but me and Matt were going from Portugal to Sweden to get our bags to go home and then to home and on our flight from Portugal to Sweden we got told that the SAS Airlines was on strike so we couldn't get on our flight to go from Sweden to Denmark Denmark to Toronto we had to take a nine hour overnight stinky bus <laughs> with with we had I think nine bags that was the year we had the most oh bags. my god it was awful and everyone was partying on this bus they're drinking smoking it's like in the middle of the night um we finally get to Denmark then had to wait like six hours in the airport and anyways that was ended up supposed to be a 20-hour travel day it was like 36 so that was pretty bad too how about you oh my gosh that sounds like the worst nightmare yeah. of life oh I could have never done that night bus without Matt like thank god he was no that was that would be really scary you shouldn't do it, that it was it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, so mine really quick before we have to go is so obviously, as you know, we were in Sweden, we were not happy there. So we decided to leave on our own terms. We were in this tiny little town. So we had a flight out of Copenhagen, which was like two and a half hours. So the train station was 45 minutes away. So we had to get a ride by this new random new kid who was taking over our car And we, so we had like six bags, our two golden doodles. This guy's driving us in like a 1990 Volvo, like this small hatchback to the train station. So we're in the train and we're halfway to Copenhagen. And then the train just like stops and everybody gets off and we're like, what the heck is going on right now? And the train guy came in and was like, all the train lines are down. There's one train up there that you guys have to get on. And so we were like, okay so I took like one carry-on I had the dogs and then my husband's just like hauling all he's throwing all of the bags out just like the hockey bags because I'm useless like I can't carry that stuff so he's throwing it out and then he's running like a hundred yards to bring the bags down to the next train anyway so then we got on this train and they had to smush like three trains worth of people onto this one train so we had our dogs we had all this luggage I was like having anxiety because we were just like in this, it was just packed like sardines and my dogs were getting anxious too. I could tell. Anyway, long story short, we got to the airport. We just had a hard time with like the front desk lady. She was just giving us a hard time about the dogs, even though we had all the paperwork, they always just like to make it a little bit more difficult. So 
uh, we were late to the gate. We forgot to order food for the plane. Oh no! So they were like, "Oh, you had to order the the meal in advance." I'm like, "Please," because we didn't have enough time to get food. So I'm like, "If there's any food, please give it to us." Anyway, so <laughs> to wrap it up, we got off the plane, and then I was like starting to have stomach issues. I was like, "I have to go to the bathroom now," because the plane <laughs> made my stomach upset. So I was like sprinting through the terminal to try to get through customs, and then. Our bags were delayed. My parents had to pick us up and we had to drive two and a half hours to San Diego. So that was definitely a nightmare. I feel like you always have to have like one of those stories in your hockey life and it's horrible at the time, but looking back, it's so funny to think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, travel days are the worst and that one sounds awful. It sucks relying on trains because trains always have something wrong with them. In Sweden, we always had to train to the airport and one time I, it was like not running and same thing as you like such a shit show to try to go onto a new train. Yeah. Ugh, oh my gosh. So well, tough. <laughs> before, before we wrap up, where can everybody find you? So I have two Instagram pages. I have a personal one, which I'd love to have you fellow hockey girls on. It's just Ketin Bailey. And my travel one is called city sites by Ketin. And uh, my website is, KettenCitySites.com. Um, I'd love to help you guys all out with your next trips and travels. I have a few different packages, so sometimes you don't need all the help. You just need a day-to-day -day itinerary, so that's obviously a more cheaper, affordable option. And yeah, so I'd love to help you guys out with your next travel. And it was so fun telling you guys some tips and tricks of all the travel stuff. Yeah, this was a good one for sure. And I'm super excited for people to listen because I feel like there's just a lot of useful information in here that will help you on your travels and just going overseas. Yes. All right. Well, thanks, girl. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. See you next week.